Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? You're listening to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Make sure you guys give the show a follow on Twitter at Half ST High Heat. You can find us on the internet with the same domain name.com. And you can find us on YouTube with Half ST High Heat as well. And speaking of YouTube, we got Trey here joining us. You guys can follow him on Twitter at reverse with the double R and double S. He is filling in for Nick. And I wish I could say Nick was on vacation, but He's doing something unpleasant, so sucks for him. And as always, I am joined by the fabulous Amanda. You guys can give her a follow on Twitter at a white seven eight seven seven. There's a lot of numbers in there. I think I got that wrong. That's okay. How you guys doing? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Hanging in there. I came in my office to record, and my uh, pop filter is gone, and my desk is covered with glitter. So I don't know how the rest <laughs> of you guys are doing. But that's how you Sounds got attacked by a unicorn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, my uh, my six year old daughter. If I, I think she would be a unicorn if she could. So yeah, glitter and glue, and my pop filter is nowhere. I looked all around for it. I don't know what happened to it. So if the recording uh, quality is <laughs> not quite as good tonight, apologies in advance. It was eaten by a six year old kid. <laughs> so before before we dive on into the episode, we got quite a little bit to talk about. I want to hit y'all with some trivia. So Miguel Cabrera had his three thousandth hit against the Rockies. And I saw something pretty interesting. The Rockies have given up the 3,000th hit to four players. Four out of the 33. That's a lot. Wow. Can you name the other three? (laughs) Well, they have to be somewhat recent. I think think you guys guys can get it. They're, They're big names. I mean, is Pujols one of them? He's the... Not Pujols. Yeah, no. I think he... Wasn't he against Detroit or something? I can't remember. Okay, who else has? I'll give you 15 more seconds before I give the answer. All right. I, I, well, as we established during our trivia episodes, I suck at trivia. Yeah, I'm blanking <laughs> on this one. I'm trying right. to think because, I, damn. So <laughs> I don't have any. There's four, four players against the Rockies obviously, Miguel Cabrera, Craig mm-hmm. Biggio, Ricky Henderson, 
in Ichiro Suzuki. Suzuki All got it against the Rockies. That's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. What a weird little piece of. How many were at Coors? Um, That I don't know. Um, Not at at least three or less because Miguel Cabrera's was out. I was just trying to picture Coors in my head just to see it in my head so I could figure it out, but I couldn't figure it out. So that was Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit. That was the second biggest story. Only to Kyle Schwarber doing what every single baseball fan has wanted to do. And it's exploded, exploded on Angel Hernandez and the absolutely epic ejection. We post on the Half Street Twitter account if you guys have not seen it. So our quick pitch today, asking you guys, if you could do anything, or sorry, let me rephrase that. What, if anything, could or should be done about the terrible umpires because Angel Hernandez has has missed 2,600 calls in his career. Wow. That's not a made up number. That Someone counted. Aggressive yeah. number. So yeah. what should be done? It's a sticky issue because you know they have a union. And so really it, unless the union rules change with the umpires, then nothing will change. I mean, there's not literally nothing that anyone can do because they are beyond accountability to anyone but their union, and their union will not hold them accountable. So I don't really know what can be done about the union rules. Like can MLB pressure them do they have to negotiate with mlb the way the players union negotiates with mlb i don't really know exactly how it works but it seems to me that mlb needs to force some accountability measures into their agreement with the union because these things i mean he's not the only one although he's egregiously bad but there are other egregiously bad umpires that the only time you ever see like joe west you know he did something incredibly terrible if you see him trending like you shouldn't even know the umpires names if you know their names it's because they're awful and I, I really think it's a problem that MLB needs to address directly with their union. But that being said, that was some entertaining crap from Kyle, Kyle Schwarber the other night. Hands down, the best ejection I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Didn't overstay his welcome. You know, didn't throw anything towards the umpire or the catcher. And he just went ballistic. Absolutely incredible. He's icon for it, you know. Advoc- advocated for the other team as well. Exactly. He yelled both sides all night. You know, he gestured high and he gestured low. But Amanda, you kind of you kind of hit it on the head. You know, it's it's a tricky situation. I don't know how things are negotiated, but I, I just wish MLB could make umpires available to the media afterwards, have to answer for these questions. I like the human element of the game, but sometimes some of these calls are oof, they're they're pretty bad. Well, I, I'm just curious as to why each umpire needs to call balls and strikes because clearly some of them are better than others. So why don't we just yeah, stick yeah, Angel Hernandez at third base instead? Like it does. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point, Trey. Like, I, I really, I don't, I don't know if there's a rule against that or whatever, but I mean, some of, and it's, I mean, you can see. Shout out um scorecards on Twitter. You can see which umps are consistently oh, better than others. Man. So why don't the guys who are consistently good at calling balls and strikes? Call balls and strikes every game. I don't know. Well, they have they have like the grading system and the reward system. If you're good in the season, you're going to get better playoff games. If you're not, you don't get playoff games. Like in the World Series, the highest graded umpires go in at each spot. So like that's kind of their thing. I guess they're kind of taking as eh, it's just a regular season. Who cares? Yeah. Well, I mean, I <laughs> I remember back when Angel Hernandez was doing a playoff game, uh, Yankees Red Sox, and he missed like four calls at first base that all got overturned yeah. so i'm like with him maybe it's just he's just not that good at any of the umpiring 
aspects. I don't yeah. really. I, I don't know if it's still that. the best ejection ever, but it's definitely on the list. It was very good. Very. My good. favorite ever mm, was recency it was, bias. I'm saying it's the best. Yeah. Well, was it was the one with it was Lasorda and the Phillies fanatic? That one might be my all time favorite. Okay. Well, yeah. That that yeah. <laughs> it was like in 1988 or 89 or something. It was, but that one. If you ever if you watch the video of that, I mean, it is seriously. It never gets old. It's. Sure. It's side-splittingly hilarious, no matter how many times. I, I really like uh, Lou Pinella's first ejection as the Cubs manager. He goes absolutely ballistic. He's like kicking dirt on the ump's shoes and stuff. Like, probably doesn't even remember what he said. <laughs> that guy went ballistic. Yeah, the base stealing and then leaving is always a classic. I, I love that. Walking off with the base. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones, but that was absolutely fantastic. And the fact that it was, and I saw some people who clearly didn't watch any of the game, um, you know, saying, oh, that even wasn't even that bad of a pitch. Shouldn't have taken that on two strikes. Probably even true. I would, I would say that was too close to taking a two strike count, but he had been so bad all night that that like the simmering rage and the, uh, the way he did just enough to go completely ballistic without crossing the line. It was chef's kiss, a beauty of an ejection. I want to see more ejections like that. And it was a very, very exciting weekend baseball. And we have a celebrity guest on the weekend review. Trey is doing it for me. So, Trey, why don't you break us down this week in review? Another week in review is ready for you. As mentioned, Miguel Cabrera became the 33rd player to join the 3000 Hit Club. He's the only member in this club who also has 500 homers and a triple crown. Meanwhile, in New York, the Yankees fans throw trash on the field after a walk-off against the Guardians, uh, and Miles Straw was involved, and he climbed up on the wall and yelled, hit me, mother blank, at a fan. Note that the fan did not hit him. Players think MLB switched out the balls again. We are seeing less uh, hits per nine innings than any other point in MLB. Home runs are down, and offense is down across the board. It is possible that it is part due to bad weather and the shortened spring, but many players around the league want answers and think that the league switched the balls to the non-juiced ones. Uh, meanwhile, Chicago, the White Sox are struggling and they have lost their seventh straight game, being outscored 45 to 15 during that stretch and are now without Eloy Jimenez for six weeks. Ty France, remember the name. His unreal start is propelling the Mariners to a hot start and cementing himself as a top hitter. To the east, in fifth place are the 6-12 and 12 Nats. More on them in a second. In fourth place are the 6-10 and 10 Phillies. They lost back-to-back -back series to the Rockies and the Brewers. Their offense, after starting hot, has gone silent, and so have the wins. Kyle Schwarber got ejected on Sunday night and lived every baseball fan's dream, screaming at Angel Hernandez. Up next, the Rockies. In third place are the 7-10 and 10 Braves. They lost back-to-back -back series to the Dodgers and the Marlins. Their offense looks absolutely lost without Acuna. Playoff hero Eddie Rosario is the first player to join the negative one war club. Up next for them, the Cubs. In second place are the 7-8 Marlins. They've won three of four and rode their hot pitching to a series win against the Braves. They have the Nationals next, and their season trajectory could be different if they take care of business. In first place are the 12-5 Mets. They have the second-best winning percentage in baseball behind the Dodgers, two biggest spenders winning. They took care of a weak Diamondbacks team. Their offense is rolling, and their pitching hasn't lost a beat without DeGrom. And up next are the Cardinals. Biggest question for them is, when will the Lowell Mets moment happen to derail this season? This has been your week in review. Man, Trey, I don't, I don't know who wrote that. Maybe you did. Maybe it was me, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, whoever wrote that killed it, honestly. Yeah, that was that was a great week review. Props to whoever wrote that. So as you said, the week review, we'll talk about the Nats. Um, unfortunately, we won't talk about the Nats. It was not a great weekend for DC baseball. They dropped all three games to the Giants, which is what we predicted, but it just it was just ugly. It wasn't, it wasn't very fun to look at the first game in the series. They lost on Friday night by a score of seven to one. Um, the big story again, Patrick Corbin, he only got five outs, gave up seven runs. His ERA on the season is now up to 11.2 since the start of 2020. He is statistically the worst pitcher in baseball. He has the highest ERA. He has the highest batting average against hitters are hitting 293 against him over the last three seasons. His FIP is the worst in baseball. He has the most losses in baseball. In just about every stat, he's been absolutely atrocious. He did have seven swings and misses, though, on Friday. That's a season high for him, six of which came on the sl- on his uh, sinker. But I want to ask you guys, we keep talking about Patrick Corbin and how much he sucks, but we're going to role play. You guys are Dave Martinez or Mike Rizzo. What do you do with Patrick Corbin, are you guys putting him in the bullpen at this I'm point? Putting him or in the you bullpen. Just, you just I am honestly, 100%. I'm putting him in the bullpen because obviously it sucks. He'd be the highest paid reliever in baseball by a, a good margin, but you can't keep putting him out there every five days. I mean, it's, it's just, it's not even just that you're going to lose because you're probably going to lose regardless. This team sucks, but it's demoralizing. And I honestly, I saw he got booed off the field in that last start and that's hard to watch. Like, I understand he's been awful, but I don't like seeing that. And I, I like the fact, I know Ryan will disagree with me here. I like the fact that Nats fans are nearly always too classy to boo their own guys, even when they richly deserve it. And uh, it's hard to watch. And I would put him in the bullpen and just basically, you know, eat the money. You're spending the money anyway. It's already spent. There's why keep putting him out there for a start every five days when it's not like the money is any different if you just put him in the bullpen. And maybe he could be effective out of the bullpen. Maybe he could learn to be a good reliever. I mean, just just having him go out there and be awful every start is accomplishing nothing, and it's demoralizing for the rest of the team and for the fans. Trey, what about you? Yeah, I'm also in the put Corbin in the bullpen camp. Um, I'm not sure if he would even accept a role in the bullpen, but at this point, you know, they want to get some kind of value out of him, and putting him in – every five days to start isn't doing that. And it's also killing the nationals bullpen, by the way, uh, when they have to come in and save his ass uh, because they had to pick up seven and a third innings uh, on the 25th and And gave up zero runs. Right. And Palo then couldn't start on Saturday because he had to come in because they had to use, they had to pick up so many bullpen innings. Exactly. And uh, you know, as far as a trade piece, he has no trade value as a starter. He can't, miss bats he can't really throw strikes consistently enough and uh he can't go deep into games so maybe you put him in the bullpen he shows something but probably he's just gonna be a dead dead money for the rest of his contract he's owed 82 million over these course of the next three years <laughs> um, what would you do brian honestly like look i'm <laughs> I'm kind of all in on just getting a lottery point at this, at getting a lottery <laughs> pick. DFA him. No, commander. no, Patrick Corbin is the best thing you can ask for in winning a lottery. Cause like he's your ace. So he's constantly going to go up against the team's best pitchers and spoiler alert. He's not going to outpitch him. So you're starting some series with a loss. 
shucks, this team's not competitive. If you're going to be bad, I want a lottery pick. And Patrick Corbin, he's commanding that. He's my ace to a uh, top three pick this year. <laughs> I should have known you would have some backwards cockamamie way that you, <laughs> you were look. Look, for. if I, if we're gonna stink, might might as well go all in, right? Yeah, don't want to be and just mediocre. Just anything just worth completely. doing is worth overdoing. I always say. So yeah. looking looking at the game, one of probably the biggest surprises um, was Erasmo Ramirez came in. He pitched three in the third innings, only gave up one hit, struck out mm-hmm. three against the same line of that Patrick Corbin got absolutely annihilated against. What was your all's takeaway from honestly, <laughs> maybe like the surprise performance of the year so far? It was impressive. I mean, he threw 43 pitches, 30 strikes. I mean, I don't know. I had zero expectations from a lot of these guys that we've, you know, like no name guys that nobody, you know, really knew who they were. And they've just kind of filled in, especially with all the injuries to the bullpen right now. They've just kind of got a lot of guys in there that you don't expect much from. And it was, it was a good performance. Like you said, that's a great point. Not only going 3.1 out of the bullpen with only one hit, and three strikeouts, but doing it against a lineup that clearly, you know, Corbin couldn't handle your ostensible ace. So it was, it was good. And he's got a zero ERA on the season. Trey, what, what do you think about that? Yeah. I, well, he just, he came in and did what, what he was supposed to do. And that's just throw strikes. That was the most important thing. He didn't walk anybody, I, I believe. Um, so that's really important, especially, you know, when a team gets a seven run lead, um, but yeah, it was, it was impressive long relief and the Nats are probably going to need that because starting pitching has been less than optimal. So long relievers might be the key. Less than optimal. It was very diplomatic. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keeping that's it, keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a good way to put it. So the last part of game one, I wanted to talk about was late in the game, the two knuckleheads on this team, Victor Robles and Alcides Escobar. I, 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 Escobar started yelling over towards the dugout, and I think Robles came over to like defend them, but they took issue with the Giants stealing second and trying to steal, sorry, and trying to score up six in the ninth inning. I want to get your all's take on it. What did you think of, you know, those two yelling at the Giants? Are you in favor of that? Mm-hmm. I'm in the camp that the unrent rules are stupid, and we've seen multiple teams blow six-run leads a lot right. this year already. Mm-hmm. So, like... I just want to get your all's take on that. And was this like a move for, you know, Escobar to show to the team, like, Hey, come on, yo, like respect us. Like we're not out <laughs> <No>. of it. Or <laughs> That was not the thing. No, it was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Like just, if you don't want, and I feel this way, you see this kind of stuff happen around baseball all the time where people get their feelings hurt, whether it's he looked at his home run too long, or he looked at me after he got a hit off of me or like whatever dumb unwritten rule. It is like, if you don't like it, play better, pitch better, you know, score more. It's, it's so ridiculous. And I know that the, you know, the manager, the giants manager afterwards was like, they've got, you know, Juan Soto and Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz, they can score six runs. We're not going to, you know, we're going to keep trying and your team, if they're respecting you, that your opponent should keep trying. If they stop trying, it's because they know you're not a threat. So it was stupid. And uh, Escobar looked like an idiot. And so did Robles. I agree. Trey, what camp you in? Um, it was ridiculous. And it was ridiculous. Like, I understand as a manager, you're supposed to defend your guys. It was ridiculous for Dave Martinez to not even make a comment after the game. 
He basically deflected the whole thing. Meanwhile, Gabe Kapler's on the other side explaining exactly why his team was trying to score uh, because six runs is nothing. That's nothing. Absolutely nothing, especially in, you know, a higher scoring environment. Right now, obviously, the scoring environment's a little lower. But I – and Dave Martinez's quote about not running up the score, I – was like it, it take it's taken a lot right now for me to get upset with this team because I expected bad, but I was upset because you coached a team in 2019 who made a seven run comeback in the bottom of the ninth inning against the New York Mets. Like that six runs is nothing. If it was 20 to nothing, it would still be stupid to get upset about it. But I mean, it was six runs. That's Six it's runs. nothing. And nothing. I would have actually respected the hell out of, D- out of Davey if he had just not said a word, like not come to the defense of it and just like let them twist in the wind out there because that's not, it's not defensible. I get yeah, the whole is. like take up for your guys no matter what, but they, that behavior ought to stop around baseball. It's to me, it's, it's the same. It's part and parcel of the guys who throw at somebody because they got mad about how they pimped a home run or something like stop getting your feelings hurt. You're grown men stop acting like little kids who can't take it when somebody does something better than you. It's not the giant's fault that Escobar sucks. It is not wiser. Yeah. The the Rangers rallied being down five earlier in the season than the blue Jays. I think the next night we're down like seven and scored 10 unanswered. So things happen, you know, and you don't, you don't want to take your foot off the gas. So that was a ugly Friday night looking at Saturday night. It wasn't that much better. Um, Giants won 5-2 before the game. Patrick Murphy was DFA'd and Aaron Sanchez made his debut. He honestly looked better than what the line. Well, I mean, that's, I could look better than Corbin. Um, He looked better than what his line was. I think he went 4.1, gave up four runs, I believe, but kind of the, the result of Sam Clay coming in, who we'll talk about in a second as well, going hit by pitch, walk, walk. And then, you know, just ugly things happening. Steve Ciszek came in, couldn't really close the job either. So all those runs went to Sanchez. Um, what do you guys think of Sanchez's debut? And would you rather see him or Rogers as the number five guy in the rotation? That's a hard question. Tough, tough, tough. I think I'd have to see more of Sanchez before making a decision. I mean, Rogers has, I would say, like flashes of decent in a sea of mediocrity would be. That's pretty accurate. (laughs) A description for Rogers, but like adequate, I think mostly for a fifth starter, you know, he's had some, he's had a few blowups and a few things that weren't good, but on a team that's this bad, you know, I would take what we're getting from Rogers. I think Sanchez, maybe he'll be better. I mean, I'd like to see a few more starts from him, I guess, but I mean, you know, I know some of those runs did end up charged to Sanchez that, you know, were given up by the relief staff, but you know, six hits over, 4.1 4.1 is not a great showing plus a walk and only one strikeout. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't very good. I wasn't impressed. That, that sentence. I wasn't impressed can be applied to about every single start this year. That this wasn't a entire description start. of the season so far. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> Trey, what about you? What's your take on it? Uh, He's got, he's got a little dog in him. I he mean, got that dog in him. Yeah, he got a little dog in him. He, he was getting he was getting excited after after those first couple innings. Um, the, he's got he's got stuff. There's no denying that. It's just location. He started not really locating his sinker well towards the third fourth inning. Started getting hit hard. Um, also, I've I've had some bad luck where maybe some plays should have been made that weren't 
scored his errors, but, uh, and then Sam Clay obviously gave up some of his runs. Uh, but I, I actually, I didn't hate it. Um, I, I would like to see one more start from him personally, uh, just give him one more shot to, to lock it in because I mean, this team needs anything at this point. <laughs> now let me ask you this. Would you rather they keep Sanchez in and put Corbin in the bullpen? Absolutely. Yeah, see, I, don't I, see I don't think that's do going that to happen. But I don't think it will either, I but I would happen. actually prefer that. I would prefer that they put Corbin in the bullpen. And I get that they've, you know, he's they, they've got a ton of money invested in him and they've, they've really handled him with kid gloves up to this point. But I think at some point you need some accountability. Be like, dude, you, you don't get to keep your spot in the rotation the way you're performing. You just don't. And you're going to lose it to a guy who, you know, he's a, you know, journeyman. What has he been in the league? Sanchez, seven years? Well, he was really good. He was, he was good with the Blue Jays. And then he kind of started bouncing around like the last four seasons. Yeah, he was with the Giants last year, if I remember. Well, the story, the story with Sanchez is his stuff has always been dirty. He's just never been able to stay healthy. Well, I'd rather see more of him unless it's. Corbin at this point I really believe that I understand they just think it's like he's a lock he's going to be in the rotation no matter what and I don't know why the money is spent it doesn't matter whether he sits in the bullpen or he sits in the dugout like you already spent the money why not do the best you can for the team at this point like why does the guy get to keep his spot they're having the mid-off that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's the situation with this I don't roster. even think it's a mid-off what's under a mid-off <laughs> mid-off between Dave Martinez and his ace pitcher. Which one will? Which one will pitcher? Patrick Corbin. God, that makes one will come out on top of the mid off. (laughs) Um, looking at the rest of the game, this this one really hurts me to talk about. My absolute king, Josh Bell, tweaked his knee. Think he did maybe the night before, but came out of the game in game two. Was not in the lineup in game three on Sunday. He got the day off on Monday. But if Josh Bell is to miss some time, we're role-playing again. That's the theme of this episode. If you're Dave Martinez, who are you guys putting at first base? Because uh, the options are kind of, <laughs> they're kind of gross. I'm going with Riley Adams just because at seeing Franco over at first base, it just, I can't do it. I can't do it. He's, I don't know. I'd rather let Riley Adams see if he can play first base because you know, obviously Kiba Ruiz is this team's catcher. Right? There's no, there's, there's a DH now. So there's not like, there's a lot of pinch hit at bats. So what are you going to do? Just let Riley Adams rot on the bench. Like I'd rather play him. I, um, I don't really think Riley Adams is good. That's no, a different conversation. Certainly not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I'm, that. <laughs> I'm in the same camp as you is like, I just, I don't want to see Michael Franco on the field. I don't care that he's like kind of playing a little well right now. I just don't want to see him on the field at all. But uh, Trey, you know, we talked about mid-off. It's a mid-off again. Who, who are you picking to fill in for Josh Bell? In the mid-off number two, I would also say Riley Adams with the current roster. Now, uh, Jake Knoll is always an option. We could always oh. call him up. Oh, yeah, um, you're you're kicked off. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm going with Riley Adams. Uh, I think it doesn't seem like it's going to be an IL stint, so it shouldn't be that long. So hopefully we can get away with it and maybe get Riley Adams back going a little bit. He has some pop, hit a home run during the series. So and maybe about, getting yeah. a little actual practice in game at first base, like if there are times during the season when 
when Bell needs a rest day or if, you know, he has any other tweaks. I mean, he already tweaked himself twice in this series. We only got to game two where he talked about his knee. He came out again yesterday with a hamstring on the opposite leg. So, you know, it's not as though he's, I, I don't have great confidence in him staying healthy all year. So I think if, you know, while he's, you know, he's taken a little time, if Riley Adams can at least, you know, get some reps in game at first base so that maybe he's an option for giving Josh Bell a day off here and there, you know, so he can get into the games in relief of Bell when he needs a day off and relief of Ruiz when he needs a day off. I mean, like you said, he does have a little pop. I'd, I'd like to see what the kid's got, but just he's not going to play at all if you don't, you know, find a way to get him into the games. And otherwise, why do you even have him here? It's so I think I think Josh Bell is kind of having those like random things we see from guys during spring training where the muscles just like cramp up. So I'm not too worried about it. But you mentioned you mentioned a little pop and the the lineup's been lacking. <laughs> the lineup's been really bad. Davey mixed up a little bit on Saturday and he put Lane Thomas leadoff. Could have just been because a lefty was pitching, but would you guys continue having Lane Thomas lead off over Cesar Hernandez, who hasn't really been hitting the ball either, and he's not exactly getting on, but someone needs to lead off in front of Soto, would you guys roll with Lane Thomas? That's an interesting question. Looking at him, he's only hitting 196. He had one hit on Saturday, went one for four. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I want the goat Alcides Escobar hitting first. Yeah, that's strike two on your big guy. <laughs> yeah, thin ice fired. over here, thin ice. I don't honestly know. I'm sitting here looking at this roster and going, there is not a damn person in here I want hitting leadoff for my let's favorite just, baseball let's team. Let's just throw uh, Soto in the leadoff spot. Maybe right. on, honestly, I'm not even kidding. Like, at some point, who cares? At least he's, at least he's getting more at bats. I don't know. You want people on base for him, but if the guys you're hitting in front of him aren't getting on base anyway, who the hell cares? Thomas like has a better on base profile than Hernandez, but like not right now because he's just watching pitches go down the middle and striking out. Yeah, after that one where he just let every he didn't even swing the bat with the bases loaded. I don't know if I can forgive him. I, I don't know if I'm ready. Yeah, to no, he's he's that. going up there looking to walk right now. It's very obvious, and pitchers are just like, oh, you want to walk, so we're just going to throw a strike. <laughs> so have have you guys seen enough of a sample size a size to admit that I was right when I said what he did last year wasn't sustainable and he's a fourth outfielder at best? Are we are we ready to admit that I was you know right about that? Well, fourth outfielder at best on what team? <laughs> um, that's a good the, point. Hey, the, that's a good point though. The team where Michael Franco is the backup first baseman. <laughs> man this team is hard to watch it's harder to talk about well yeah I mean obviously what he did at the end of last season was fun and cool but he hasn't sustained it it is only April so you know the the season is young maybe maybe he'll you know because you could see what he was capable of last year he's not been able to do it yet hopefully he's one of those guys who's a slow starter and maybe he can get some semblance of what he was doing late well, last season but let me let me let me ask you this is it slow start or did he see a lot of lefties in a short period of time and he only showcased his strength and wasn't able to showcase who he really is? Hmm, makes you think. I think there that his <laughs> true play is probably somewhere in between right now and where he finished last year, which is a pretty mid player. Right. So, mid that's, is the theme the, of this episode. I was I was going to say that mid is the absolute theme of the episode. Moving on to the last game of the series, um, it was it was ugly for everyone. 
12-3 final score, but it was particularly ugly for Lucius Fox. He, he, <laughs> threw, he threw up on the field. We, we, we have to talk about this. Like two pitches in, right? It was two pitches into the game. He had the entire stadium go right behind the pitcher's mound. Two pitches after the game. They said he had food poisoning. That was straight liquid. We've all been there, Lucius. You know, early day after a late Saturday, we get it. I mean, that I think that just kind of sums up. This and then Adon had to like pitch with a pile he, of puke next he to gave him. A, he gave up a homer on the next pitch. <laughs> I think it was two pitches later, but the point stands. I yeah. was completely <laughs> stunned watching that whole sequence. I couldn't That even, whole thing like, happened over like three minutes, and you're like, ha- yeah. what? The was, shit is going on here. <laughs> it, the, the camera cuts from Fox exiting down the tunnel to Jock hitting a 450 foot nuke. Like, I'm it's just like, what is going on right now? Uh-huh. You know, it was that kind of day. It was a perfect setup for what the day was going to be like. Actually. I mean, it it really was a perfect setup, but I, I, can, I can relate to, you know, Lucius. You know, one time when I was 10 years old, um, <laughs> I had two chili cheese hot dogs and fries before a baseball game. And it was really hot outside. And let's just say it didn't sit. <laughs> so that's I, a, I that's a classic happen. mistake right there. I, I get it. And while we're talking about just gross things, Yona Dome did not look good. <laughs> this man, <laughs> this man, I, I, I can't make him out because he'll look really good one start. And then he just looks absolute terrible the next start. He's young. There are growing pains, but these growing pains are just atrocious to say the least and I, I don't know what to make of him and i wanted to get your all's take on him and what you guys think he projects to be on this team it's really hard to say she said he's very jekyll and hyde right now which is something you expect with younger players um but every time he kind of I don't know. He'll have a really good start and you'll be like, okay, well maybe this guy is, you know, going to, going to surprise us and, you know, be something, maybe not something super special, but, you know, be a really serviceable guy. And, and then he comes out and lays an egg like he did in this one, um, six hits, five runs over four innings, all earned. Although I believe Rogers gave up one of those in relief. I have to go back and look at the box score. Um, I think he, yeah, I think you're right. I think Rogers gave up a homer, didn't he? Yeah, Rogers, let me see here. And here's your Rogers gave up one inherited. Yeah, he had one inherited runner. Let's see. No, they didn't score. Arano gave up. I think it was Arano who gave up the homer and let an inherited runner score. He inherited two runners from Rogers. <laughs> he would never give up a homer. Never ever. That's my that's my boy. Yeah. So looking at the uh, Arano's got a two ERA right now. Uh, I think I, maybe the best on the staff. Who's I'm gonna one? I'm gonna let you guys in on a secret. This is this is a secret that I have told nobody about. All right. My video this week is about Victor Arano. Oh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Mind blowing. Yeah, no, he's he's been really really good, and I want to definitely want to talk about him. Yeah, so um, he went 1.1 um, innings. You know, only gave up one hit. He has been really good. Two strikeouts. Uh, for for me, with the Don or Don, however it's pronounced, I think it's a Don. Anyways, with a Don. I don't think he would be in the majors right now if the Nats had more options for starting pitchers. Um, so he's, he's definitely not ready and that's okay. Cause he's still really young. The stuff is, it's definitely there. Uh, he's got a, he's got a nice fastball and both of his breaking balls are nice as well. Um, but he's not very consistently locating any of his pitches for strikes. So when, when he can't, if he's not, 
locating his off-speed pitches for strikes and dudes can just sit fastball. It's kind of easy to hit him. Um, but I, if, if it's possible, I'd like to get him in AAA and just let him uh, work out some of those kinks down there and try and uh, lock in the location with his off-speed pitches. Yeah, I, it's hard to argue with that. He's definitely not a guy who in a, a better organization would be at the major league level right now. Can we, uh, before we move on from talking about the Giants series, talk about Juan Soto, who went 0 for 4 in both the second and third game? Um, can I one-up you with Juan Soto's 0 for 4 and mention that Alcides Escobar went 0 for 11 in the series? You may. Yeah, he went 0 for 11. No, a lot, a lot of people are making a big hoopla about how Soto has looked so far. I'm not, I'm not really concerned. You know, he, every single season that he's been up, he has struggled in April. His struggles are a little different than others. My one concern though, is he's not swinging a lot. And so I'm kind of starting to wonder if we are seeing the side effects of, I'm wondering if we're seeing the side effects of a guy walking a ton in the second half last year and getting walked in heavy volume early in the year because he's not swinging at pitches he normally is and he's going down looking a little bit more. So I'm trying to figure out if that's what's going on or if it's just what we're seeing from some of the struggles around the league where short springs just really getting guys. Yeah, I'm not so concerned. I mean, he's still, like I said, he's struggling, but you know, he's got an 841 OPS right now, which isn't, fabulous particularly by his standards but it's also not you know dreadful or anything and he'll pick it up he always does but uh it's just remarkable i'm worried that he's he's starting to get frustrated and not staying within his game you know his his like otherworldly pitch discipline plate discipline is something that is what makes him as fearsome a hitter as he is and i'm worried that the frustration of not of getting walked so much and not getting pitches he wants, you know, the pitches he wants to see might lead him to get a little outside of his game. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, that's kind of the risk you run when you don't have a lot of protection in your lineup. Teams aren't afraid of Nelson Cruz. We've talked about that. He's not intimidating. They're always going to pitch around him. And we've seen what can happen when guys get walked a lot, AKA Bryce Harper, when he was walked nine times in the Cubs series, how that kind of threw him off. Like broke him. Yeah, literally. Like it walking a lot gets to guys. Guys want to hit and they start getting impatient. Juan Soto's strength is his ability to be patient and his ability to navigate the strike zone with his great eye. Really hope we aren't going to see that because if we are, a bad lineup's just not really going to be fun to watch. And it means he's not going to want to stay here. Yeah, he's, he's going to want to go to teams that had protection, and I wouldn't really blame him. Or would I? It would hurt me badly, but I wouldn't blame him. This is numb being a DC sports fan. I'm yeah. used to all this. Yeah, it's fun. We had those couple of years where we got all that nice championship stuff. That was fun. But now back to reality, which is the the numbing, dull ache dread. of being a DC sports Just fan. dread. <laughs> I'm a... I'm... I'm still optimistic with Soto. Like, I don't think this is really that big of a deal um, because this is like as bad as he plays ever. And he's still well above average. Um, and he's not going the other way yet. That's the, that's the big difference right now. He, everything's pulled, um, which is that kind of tells you he's not quite locked in. Um, so once he starts going the other way with consistent consistency, 
uh, all of his stats are going to shoot back up because he's not a pull. He's not a dead pull hitter. He's a, he spreads the ball all over the place. So that's just the, that's the first thing I noticed is that everything's pulled. So once, um, once he locks it back in going uh, everywhere on the field, uh, I think he'll be fine. He is getting pounded on the inner half of the strike zone as well. Mm-hmm. Like they're just working him in and he's not exactly turning on either. Um, I do agree. Trey, his strength is going the other way. Hard to get that little inside out going anymore with that swing, but we're going to have to. Yeah, they definitely, he's definitely slumping because if he's on and they try to come inside there, he's just going to, you know, crush it, turn on it, but he's not doing that, doing that with consistency right now either. So they can keep pounding him in, but he'll figure it out. It's Juan Soto. Amen. So that was a ugly, ugly giant series. Fortunately for Nats, it might not get much better. Um, kind of a new new Marlins team. They're they're in second place in the East. That's not saying much right now. The East is just bad outside the Mets. They are seven and eight. But looking at the Marlins, um, they rank tenth in average, seventh in on base, twelfth in OPS, eighteenth in runs. Starting pitching is their strength: ninth in ERA, thirteenth in WHIP, fifteenth in walks per nine, eleventh in K per nine. Um, looking at the projected starters, it's Sandy Alcantara against Josiah Gray. I am rather excited for that, and I hope oh, my yeah. softball games rained out. It's going to be the best that. game of the season for, or of the series. Sure. Uh, you probably could have said that as well. This probably could have said that season, yeah. <laughs> um, then it goes Pablo Lopez versus Eric Fetty, and then Trevor yeah, yeah. Rogers versus Patrick Corbin. Um, Jazz Chisholm, I had him in top 10 rankings. He is absolutely lighting it up this season as well. Electric stuff. What is your all's uh, predictions? And what do you, what are you guys expecting with this three game set? And actually they're in DC. They might not play Tuesday. It's supposed to rain, but this three game set. We're getting swept. I am going to say swept is most likely. I'm going to say maybe they still won. And if it is, I think it'll be game three, even though Corbin's starting because Trevor, what is his i'm trying to look at his uh trevor rogers yeah trevor no and trevor rogers but i was trying to look at what his record is so far and his numbers but if i from my Uh, impression it's bad yeah Yeah. right it's bad so So here's my here's my prediction that he's terrible and they leave him in longer than corbin goes because corbin's also terrible but the bullpen is pretty good and that we steal that game because corbin gets out after two or three innings and the bullpen goes scoreless the rest of the game and the nats steal one very optimistic. I yeah, was going to say it's optimistic. optimistic I, I like it. So I'm, I'm going to say that they lose two or three, but they beat Alcantara only because the man cannot get run support to save his life. He went eight shutout innings and didn't get the win. That's and point. he's probably going to shut this team down again and uh, shut down the Nats. But hey, I, I say they shock, they shock me and they win that game, and then they just lose the next two because that would be peak Nats. You beat a good pitcher, then you mm-hmm. lose against. So you're predicting they get game one, and I'm predicting they get game three, and Trey's with the, the sweep. I'm with the sweep. Uh, yeah, it is, that is a good point about Sandy, though. He's basically the Marlins version of DeGrom, where they just cannot hit when he's on the mound. Um, unfortunately for the Nats, they also cannot hit. So Yeah, you know, eventually we you know, one of them is going to have to score. I'll go. I'll go with the Marlins there. Pablo Lopez has been just as good. Uh, in fact, probably better than Alcantara to start the season. He's probably been their best pitcher. Um, so that's a no brainer. They're going to win that game against Eric Fetty. 
Uh, and then, yeah, Trevor Rogers, he has uh, struggled to start the year. What better way to get back on track than versus a terrible Nats lineup? Mm-hmm. Sweet. That's true. We're uh, the get right. We're the get right team. Yeah. And Pablo Ryan, Lopez, by the way, 0.52 ERA coming into this series. Yeah, absolutely insane. And uh, Ryan mentioned Jazz Chisholm. I will mention Jesus Sanchez. Uh, this guy is going off to start the year. He, this is he's currently slashing 310, 355, 569 for a WRC plus of 170. Um, I don't see that sustaining, but he's do, still um, he's got crazy power and he's playing a pretty legit center field. I mean, it's, he's not the best center fielder, but he's he's playing there. So uh, when you get power out of that that position, that's a really big bonus. So, um, yeah, I'll say, I, yeah, it's going to I think we're going to get swept. Well, I would never bet against you betting on them getting swept. But. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't either. This, this team, this team stinks. This How team much? Blows. <laughs> so I, I wanted, I was looking up their, their position rankings because I like seeing all the teams are playing. For starting pitching, they're 29th in the ERA, 28 in whip, 28 in walks per nine, 18 in K per nine, 29 in hits per nine, 27th in home run per nine, and the bullpen isn't much better. And then the offense, they're 20th in average, 22nd in on base, 26th in OPS, 23rd in home run, 28th in stolen base. Oh, sorry, and 16th in run. I, I, I skipped that one by mistake. Wow, their best stat. <laughs> Team is dog water. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that was depressing. I will, I will give, the credit, give some credit to the bullpen, though, because, uh, you know, I would say it's getting skewed by a couple bad apples, you know. Austin both. Um, so at you, Austin both. Yeah, there's actually some good stuff in the bullpen if we want to take a positive spin on that. But where do they rank there? I don't have it in front of me, Ryan. Bullpen, they are 21st in the ERA, 29th in whip, 23rd in walks per nine, 18 in K per nine, 28th in home runs per nine. Sorry, hits per nine, and ninth in home runs per nine. So they don't give up a lot of home runs, but they give up a lot of everything else. Well, you know what? I would have predicted their numbers to be better than that. And it just goes to show you how this team has beaten us down and made us think that that complete mediocrity at best coming out of the bullpen is, uh, is something that we should be celebrating. Yeah. That's like, the best thing this team has going on. That's, that's like a couple episodes ago. Um, when you guys were saying the pitching staffs look good. I'm like, in what world? <laughs> like in that's, the world that's where we're comparing them to the starting pitching staff <laughs> that's that's how bleak everything is here you gotta you, you gotta take your wins wherever you can get them and i and i absolutely respect that so before we wrap on up you know we like to end with our one big thing and amanda and trey i point to you do you guys have anything for our one big thing segment i do um this one is actually from an article in the athletic last week about the pitch clock that has been implemented in the minor leagues has shortened their games on average by 20 minutes. Um, that's over 132 games. Um, they were, it's average. I mean, some were shortened more, obviously some less, but they introduced a 14 second timer when there's no one on base and an 18 second timer when there's runners on. So um, these minor league games were lasting an average of two hours and 39 minutes, and it was two hours and 59 minutes without the pitch clocks. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there and see what you guys think. I am anti-pitch clock because I don't think that an extra 20 minutes makes a difference in whether anyone's going to watch a baseball game, but I would love to hear what you guys think. I I don't hate it. I'm, I'm pro pitch clock in the regular season. I No one cares about the length. 
of a playoff game. So like if you do pitch clock in the regular season, that's fine. Um, especially right now, considering all the Nats games take like five hours long because no starting pitcher can go more than four innings and they're giving up a lot of runs of games. So these games are kind of taking a while. So you know what? Right now, yes, just so the Nats can get blown out in a shorter, in a shorter time. period of time. Fair. How about you, Trey? Uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely okay with it with the bases empty for sure. Um, I wonder, you know, I've seen as well, you know, the batters can get penalized for not being in the box and at some levels right now. So I'm sure that that would be in consideration to come to the major league level. Uh, yeah, with runners on base, I kind of, I feel, I feel like right now I'm not with it, but I could potentially come around on that if they have some stipulations to make it fair and everything. Um, but yeah, with, with bases empty though, I definitely think there should be one. All right. Well, that was my one big thing. What do you have, Trey? I got one. I do. The Fred Nats. Check them out. They've been raking. I don't have the, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the, the Fred Nats, Brady house. Yeah. Brady yeah house. They've, they've actually looked pretty good, which is kind of a, a nice surprise considering how they st- they're like the worst minor league start that like any minor league teams ever had last year. I think it started like over 20 something. So that's a, that's a pretty good swing. They are raking just a short drive South of the city. Um, that's when 95 South isn't being the absolute devil. I'm going to take you three hours to get down there, but Which definitely check them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's fair. Um, but there is yeah. good baseball being played. Not very far. There yeah, is good in the Nationals organization. Exactly. Here. You can see Brady House and a couple others that we should be seeing, you know, in three or four years or so, maybe yeah. less if these guys keep raking. Yeah, and that's uh that's uh the the positive spin is that maybe the player development is working. Maybe small sample size, still got some time, but it's something to think about. And we need to latch on to we need something, we need anything we find, right. What about you, Ryan? What's your one big thing? Well, I have myself muted. That's awkward. Um, I don't have a one big thing. I'm just in the camp that, okay, this, this, hold on, this is annoying. So I was talking to my buddy about this and I said that no one's going to get to 3000 hits anytime soon. And I said, hot take. If anyone does it, it's going to be Manny Machado. And he was like, oh, that is a hot take. Um, and then two days later, freaking John Morosi, that robot, he has hacked my phone, saw I said that, and he tweeted out. So now it looks less cool that I said it. Hey, you know, I have something that happened like that to me where we were on one episode and I said something about the Commanders. <laughs> and then it was like, I just thought it was just like a funny throwaway thing. And then like a week later, everybody on the radio was saying it constantly. And I was like, somebody hacked my phone and stole my idea. Or big tech keeps spying on us. Big tech keeps spying on us. Shout out Elon Musk, save us. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was a thing today. Probably won't get into that on the show, but woof. Yeah, there's, there's some good memes. It's an interesting day on Twitter. We'll just say that. <laughs> okay. Well, when, when is it not an interesting day on Twitter? That's, that's true. That's, there are that's some the days real I question. open Twitter and I look at what's going on and I'm like, nah. I just, well, I'm <laughs> like, not for me today. No. That's I'm mentally like, healthy. Okay. Very, very mentally healthy to do that. <laughs> Doom scrolling is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what TikTok's for. Much better for mental health. Um, you guys got anything else before we wrap up? I do not. No, I'm uh, good. I think I think we got everything. Well, thanks for joining us, Trey. Absolutely. I appreciate Trey. you having me. Um, 
Trey, you're absolutely killing it on YouTube. If you guys haven't Thank yet, you. please go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Half ST High Heat. Make sure you guys like our videos as well. Trey is doing a phenomenal job, and we are never going to let him leave. Sucks for you, Trey. And make sure you guys go and follow on Twitter. <laughs> I thought I had two strikes. Um, yeah, I can't just, ever get to three. That's, oh, per, that's you're, per episode, Trey. You're never that's gonna get episode. to three. I'm literally, I have immunity shirt right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm wearing Astros. my Soprano shirt. <laughs> We're, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that that happens um make sure you guys follow the show on twitter at half st high heat and to head on over to the website at half st we have a bunch of great articles coming out daily monty does an incredible job and spoiler oh it's just king it's not monty it's tyler never mind um and make sure you guys check out and subscribe to the patron we have a bunch patreon excuse me um <laughs> my mind is on lucius fox right now <laughs> we have a lot of great different plans and great shows over there as well for you guys to check out you guys can follow amanda on twitter at a white 787 you guys can give me a follow at we're all shack i don't know how nick does this every episode i am exhausted after saying all that thank you guys so much for listening go nats there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go Nats. we've got a game to play we're gonna win today let's Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. 
Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.